Lesser Light, a special bonus episode. Good morning, it's me, Matt Drapper here. I wanted to wish you all a very happy Christmas. I know that Christmas can be particularly difficult for people who have experienced spiritual abuse, especially within Christian environments who might find the imagery and the loss of previous experiences of Christmas very hard, but also anyone who's been through trauma um, and is having to do a lot of Christmas socialising. It's not always easy to do. Uh, we didn't want you to feel alone this Christmas, so Richard and I got together to have a chat about some of the connecting experiences of escaping trauma and some of the ways we can look at recovery going into the new year. Richard Turner is a therapist and has his own website, To Think Again. He also talks about his own experiences in cult-like environments on a YouTube series where he plays Minecraft while talking cults and high-control environments. Richard has not had a chance to read Lesser Light yet, and this discussion isn't just about the book, but rather about the behind-the-scenes theories, which were some of the things I tapped into while writing and exploring these characters, and particularly Harry's journey. There's more to say, but I don't want to be too spoilery about the rest of the story. Hopefully we will have another chance to chat about some of the later episodes. So I'm here with my friend Richard, who I describe as a cult psychologist, with a master's in cults. Uh, yes, a master's in the psychology of coercive control. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I say cult, <laughs> cult psychology, but it is coercive control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, well, it's, it's similar psychology across a number of different contexts, and, and cults, of course, is one of them. So, yes, you could you could argue that most definitely. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you did your dissertation on. Is that right? Yes, I did my dissertation on. I analyze. I transcribed talks from Hillsong Church, and um, a C three church, and compared them to a talk from a multi-level marketing company, a conference at a multi-level marketing company. So I analysed the the um, the coercion and persuasion uh, used in, in the talks, com compared the church to MLMs. <laughs> okay, that makes sense because a lot of, I mean, a lot of churches, uh, the sort of the big mega churches that we're, we're, we're talking about in this kind of literature are can be compared to businesses, can't they? Yeah. Well, they are businesses. Li they, li they literally are. I mean, <clears throat> the only difference is the there's, there's a spiritual um, mission in some way, but even even then, you can argue that MLMs have some kind of like mission. Yeah. Um, so it's just you know there's just just different language in a lot of ways, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The the so the main character in in Lesser Light is is going through his journey of kind of realizing that the the big church that he was part of was more controlling than he he you know realized at the time i think and trying to adjust to the real world um having escaped out of that kind of world um so i think i don't know what you've uh, what you've sort of seen or what you've experienced when it comes to um people who have been inside of a cult-like institution trying to adjust back to normal life Is, i wonder if you've got anything well, uh, well, yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, 
Is the answer to that? I mean, to, to condense it down to something useful, I'll just try and pick speak up pick up some key points. But obviously, I counsel people uh, as a therapist. Um, I, um, people who have been in religious uh, cults, uh, or other types of cults as well, and then are trying to rebuild their life. So, um, in terms of you know people leaving, um, you know. The, the whole cult environment, all your reference points for the way you understand the world come from the cult. So it can be everything to from um, having to learn the way people speak, the way people interact with each other, the way people greet each other. You know, just the basics of social communication can be completely different all the way to who. Well, sorry, that's a, probably on a, on a, mm. a simple, simpler, more obvious basic level but also to a very deep level who am i where do i fit in the world you know if god isn't angry at me and i'm not doing this for god then what what, what is my mission in life and where do i fit in and so you know from the very basic things to the way you communicate with someone right to the depths of the big questions of life where do i fit in when people leave these kind of groups that they're, they're experiencing those two extremes and everything in everything in between to the shell to the really to the really deep yeah uh, you know so um you know you get you get people who on a very basic level who've been in cults since birth haven't had much access to technology even because mm. they've never been allowed to watch the sinful youtube or or netflix or anything like that so that so they uh, and they've never been allowed to even like have a bank card so, yeah. so some of the more extreme ones that they, they they don't know how to to go to a bank and use a cash machine mm. you know um, and, and, on, and on the deeper level, you know, they've spent the whole life fitting into this mold, behaving a certain way, being submissive, being so compliant. They don't realize they're allowed to say no to things. They don't yeah. realize that, that that they're allowed to have hobbies or, or yeah. do fun things. Or So you can, there's, a, there's a huge breadth of things people can be experiencing when they get out of a court from the very deep questions of life to mm. just basics on how you interact with other people. And practicalities of life. So, in a, that's a very quick answer to how yeah. people sometimes experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, as I mean, well as what, catastrophic low self-esteem as well, often as well, because that's part of the control. So, I think this is one of the things that affects the the main character of Lesser Light, um, Harry, is this low self-esteem because um, you know he a lot of the time is just observing everyone around him and assuming that their motives are bad or assuming that their motives are the same as his motives and he feels mm. this separation from everyone around him because i think partly because of how you know how cults can be all-encompassing and yeah you almost have this sort of borg-like you know star trek borg-like connection with one another when you're inside that kind of world yeah. and i think for this character he's gone out of that world into the, the normal world and he's trying to to find connections and finding that really difficult <clears throat> It's interesting you've said that because, um, you know, from some of the stories I've heard, um, it often comes as a massive surprise when someone leaves a cult, they make friends in the, the outside world and the friends are quite accepting of them because mm -hmm. they're expecting this punishment. They're expecting this zero tolerance for any difficulty and they can't, they often can't process it. Like what, what, what you, you, I've messed up and you actually forgiven me and you, mm -hmm. you're not, you're not humiliating me. You're just accepting me for who i am so i've come across that um yeah. quite a bit and you, you mentioned earlier about the motives of people you know um the distrust that's sown in the cult environment because everything's reported back to the leader and mm -hmm. and and 
ta- even like small things are seen as the most sinful thing in the entire world. And then there's this horrible punishment. So, you know, some people, they get publicly humiliated and they have to confess their sins in a group or on stage, mm-hmm. even as a child sometimes, you know. Um, and then the people get then then they get out into the real world and 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 they don't have to do that and they're and these things that they thought were really really sinful are actually just normal human experiences I mean and and sexual things particularly mm. so you know you will feel sexual arousal around yeah. certain people who yeah, you know whoever you're yeah. attracted to that's not evil that's yeah. normal for a human being yeah definitely um, and and you know as a with people have grown up in kind of very strict sometimes they're ashamed and embarrassed and all mm-hmm. sorts of things like that so the, the, yeah. and because of the humiliation the trust is to- totally shattered when and then they get out and they can they can be those things and they're like is it safe to kind of trust the people mm-hmm. around me kind of kind of kind of be attracted to someone kind of kind of sleep with my partner and, and mm-hmm. you know not get reported or you know so yeah yeah, I, yeah. I've done a topic on your question there please bring me back on because sometimes <laughs> I get asked a question I talked for like five minutes and I think I can't remember what I was originally asked. There. <laughs> no, it's interesting because you you got such sort of like a, a breadth of understanding of this kind of stuff. And that, I find that really interesting. A few days into the story, really, by the time we're picking up now. So I'm sort of, at a, you know, at a place where he's already been, you know, caught up in, in a cult. Um, oh, I describe it as a cult, a cult-like environment. And what what he kind of went through when he first got there, and this is what he struggles with now, I think, is that he was like given lots of love and affection it seemed by this church environment um and was unable to realize just how controlling they were being is that something mm-hmm. that you would often see oh oh yeah yeah um you know you know the, the, and, and you mentioned I think this comes back to what you said before about motives mm-hmm. like people will be very very nice and we call it love bombing don't we in in that in that arena Mm-hmm. Um, as as a way to get you to like them, to to make you feel like you're safe, and also the love bomb can sometimes stop you listening to those red flags, those gut feelings, because they're being overly nice. Um, and then you learn later on that actually there's another motive. Mm-hmm. They're being nice to you because they want something, because they want you to commit, because they um they want money you to give time, give money, things like that. And then um you know you get the other thing is, is I talk we talk about with clients a lot is. You get, what they say is often not what they're doing. So mm. they say they love you, they care about you. But if you look at the behaviours, it doesn't demonstrate that. The classic cult thing is what they're saying is different to what they're doing. Yeah, but yeah. The yeah. reason why it's messing with your head is because you've been told over and over again you loved, you cared about, and it and it causes a lot of confusion and because you don't know why you're feeling depressed, why you're feeling low, mm. why you're feeling like there's something wrong with you because these people love me. So yeah, yeah. that's the problem as yeah. they slowly dismantle my mind and make me and feel they, guilty for every tiny mistake. <laughs> yeah. And they have like a way of picking out and sort of almost picking out vulnerable people in a way. Cause I mean, I know that Harry, the, the guy from this book, he had just come out of like a really horrible argument with his family, went to yeah. this church environment and they were immediately like, Oh, well, we will, we won't never be horrible to you here. And then, yeah. you know, and then finds that his all of his money, all of his time and he's becoming obsessed in this, um, in this environment where it suddenly finds it hard to work out what's real and what's not real because they're talking about miracles all the time, talking about supernatural mm-hmm. events and things like that. And he's now, you know, now like sort of it's a few years afterwards, but he's, he's try- really trying to grapple with, did I see anything? Like did, what was real, what was not real in that space? And I think it's interesting that, you know, they, they just know the right time to like pick people out 
Yeah. Well, the uh, one things that one of the other things I've noticed as well is, so you know, everybody has transition periods in their life where mm. a relationship ends or they fall out with someone and they change job or whether it whether there's a switching season. Sorry to use a Christian word there, yeah. season, but switching season. And and in those times, you're looking for something new. Things feel unstable when you lose yeah. something. So where can I get the stability from? And I think a lot of these groups, wherever you're at, whatever the loss is, wherever the need is, that's where they're targeting at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you know, you're you're struggling to find a job. Oh, let us help you write your CV. Or let we've got someone in church actually who's got their own company. Or you mm-hmm. know, or you know, you're you're lonely. You've just moved to town. Oh, come to our students' event. You know, come come to our um, Christmas meal. Come to our so wherever you're at on that that hierarchy of needs. You know, the Maslow thing. Yeah, um, they seem to target in where, where whatever the need is, they'll they'll fulfill it. And I think as well, if things do feel very unstable and uncertain um you know you you get a lot of certainty in guts it is like this mm-hmm. this is the rule this is the and it can it can in the early days be quite comforting for people i think so yeah but what i mean that's the question really is like how is that different to a normal social setting like a, a sort of a local community or you know a community group or or like a healthy workplace where you know you're also wanting to belong and to be a part yeah. of it and you know and, and that you would expect to do good things for each other i guess you know what what would be the difference between those um i suppose the one word that stands out to me a lot with a lot of this and a lot of things we discuss with clients is boundaries mm-hmm. you know um are you still allowed to be an individual are they trying to change you into something else are they cro- crossing emotional and psychological boundaries by telling you telling you who you are um, are they trying to get you to commit more time boundaries? Are they, are they pushing you, pushing the time boundaries? Yeah, but boundaries is a big thing. And also, like, are you okay to to just do that one thing with them? You're not asking to do mm-hmm. more and more and more, things like that. And, and I suppose uh, it's that ability to just be able to leave it or to stay with it or to make your own choices in that space. Yeah. 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 Which, which can be unsettling when you've been in that environment to then go into another one and to not be in that sort of unhealthy space you're kind of feeling a bit almost rejected i would say you know you or you can feel almost rejected being in a yeah. normal environment after. that's an interesting point because one thing that you know especially like with the coercive control and domestic abuse and things and when people come out of cults and they go into a new environment and because there's no drama mm-hmm. because it's peaceful they can almost start to feel like it's boring yeah <laughs> yeah empty, yeah yeah or or because because there's not this intensity there's almost like a like i've done something wrong like that's it am yeah. I I'm a bad person because you're not constantly like monitoring me all the time yeah and it can get all sorts of strange things happening and it can take a while for people to settle into like just regular friendships regular regular relationships where it is very laid back if it's healthy usually you know mm. and it, it can be unsettling for people because it because they almost try and fill that void again because it, yeah. I, sometimes I see it as because of the control and the, and the and the isolation, they they create a bit of an addiction to the group. Mm-hmm. So so because because they isolate you from the people around you, and they start they start saying things about your family, and maybe you shouldn't be mixing with this person. Maybe this person isn't right for you or healthy for you. They then become your source of support, mm-hmm. but they're also the source of damage. So you keep going, you keep end up going back to them to get that reassurance and feel safe again but you don't know if you're going to get that or get the punishment again. And I think it almost creates like a bit of an addictive 
yeah, behavior the where like, yeah, because there's nowhere else to go. And I yeah. think when people get out, they'll try and look for it again to get that because of the because of the trauma they suffer. I think that's something something like that going on um, yeah. within it. And within um, those environments, you're often told either this is good or this is bad. And so you get that validation, you get that feedback. So you do a thing, you get the feedback instantly. Yes, you've made a good point or no, you've made a terrible point. You're out of the out of the group. I think, you know, in, for the character in my book, he's, you know, he'll, he'll drop a story into a conversation, for example, and then immediately be looking to see, oh, oh, I've said something terrible. Oh, nobody laughed. So I must've done something yeah. really bad. Like, and when I was reading back over my book, like later, you know, when I was recording the audio version, I was like, kind of comes across as like a bit like self-focused or a bit, you know, he comes across quite selfish in a way. Cause he's, he's almost be- become obsessed with wanting people to give him validation. And I was thinking, well, that, you know, does that make him a bad person? But really uh, that's part of that whole loop, isn't it? Oh yeah. I should imagine. So yeah. Um, you know, they, if, if they if he's been rejected a lot and it's very black and white and he's been punished mm. for having certain beliefs and thoughts, then you've still got a need there to to feel good and validated, and so then you start chasing it. And if it's if it's only the group there because they cut you off from everybody else, mm-hmm. it'll be the group that you go to, yeah. uh, you know, the leaders that you go to because there isn't because I mean you mentioned earlier about a healthy group or not healthy group. Well, well, an unhealthy group will be trying to isolate you from anyone who isn't in the group because they're a threat. Mm-hmm. You know, you often have narcissistic leaders here who have abandonment issues, so they don't want to be abandoned. Yeah. So what do they do? Get rid of all the threats for them to be abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, any Anyone that will criticize them, anyone that might wake them up like a family member going, what are you doing? This isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. They need to be got rid of because, yeah. because otherwise the leader will get abandoned and they don't want to be abandoned. And that's where a lot of the control is coming from, abandonment issues in the, the leadership. Yeah. But I mean, spiritualized. So yeah. that sorry, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No, 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 uh, uh, yeah. So it's more powerful. Uh, you know, and they get like a godlike power to be able to say you're yeah. in, you're out. In, in you know, in this story, you've got like the cons, which are like the the um the, the Christians, and you've got the non-cons, which are like non-converts. And so they're just yeah. like they're literally called non-cons because they're out, out of the yeah. main group, and there's that yeah. separation again there. Which is the classic cult language. It's the us and them thing, it's the um, dispensing of existence, I think Lifton called it in his brainwashing theory. Dispensing of existence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get to decide like... who's in and who's out, who gets to exist and who doesn't. Wow. You know, who, 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 and it's very black and white. And if you're you're either with us or you're against us, there's no. Yeah. You know, it's it's a very black black and white world, which you know. And you mentioned earlier about what happens when people come out. Well, the the, the struggle with gray areas. You mm-hmm. know, they struggle with you know perfectionism. You know, mm-hmm. because because they because it's either good or bad, so everything has to be perfect. Otherwise, they they they, they have they feel very depressed and anxious. Yeah, so, yeah. Because that is part of the control, and the the external control they internalize it. And it becomes their own thought processes. Then, and that's the way they think. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, when 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 someone's in therapy, we're helping them to go back into that gray gray world again, where you know it's okay to have imperfections, and yeah. you know other people are allowed to have imperfections as well, and you, you, it's okay. And yeah. you know, as part of the recovery, that's really good. That's really helpful. Yeah, that that's really helpful to know. Like the the it's it's really what you know what I want people to be able to have you know a conversation about is about recovery because you know you can get I think with with sort of PTSD symptoms or post traumatic stress disorder you can get stuck in a, a space where you feel like in danger all the time. I would yes. I would say yeah. and. 
in order to get out of that space, you know, you kind of have to take yourself on a journey or, or you know, go to therapy or go, you know, mm-hmm. begin to understand how to like to, to stop that. Like you say, it becomes your your own thoughts that begin to police you and you begin to monitor yourself and things like that. So uh, what would be what would be some of the, the steps that you can take to kind of move away from being stuck in that that kind of headspace? I, I think, you know, one, one of the things I've noticed from listening to people from reading the literature that we will want to recover as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I, I say to people, like, it, it, it'll just, it might just take time and it'll just be chipping away and working things out and new situations will come up that will trigger you again. And, and it's okay that it just, it might be a slow, slower journey than you hoped for. And mm. um, because people often try and they don't want it anymore. They're trying to, to drive forward. You know, that okay, comes under that, that, under that like perfectionism again, because you're applying yeah. your own perfectionism to be perfectly out of the situation of being perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and the part of the recovery is just saying it's going to take I, I, I do my part, uh, you know, as, as an ex court member, and it's just going to take as long as it takes. And it's good in some ways because it, it help, helps them do the reading and it helps them do the work on themselves. But it often take, it, it takes time. Often as well, you know, apart, I, I think what can be quite helpful is being in environments that aren't cults mm-hmm. and, then, and then having someone to talk through that, you know, a, a good environment is if you're a student and you go to college and, you know, all, if all of a sudden you're in this environment where you're encouraged to critically think, mm-hmm. it's like the complete opposite of what you've just been in. Diversity and difference is respected and celebrated rather than punished. So in an environment like that, um, in terms of recovery, is often is often very helpful at the right time, mm. um, and generally speaking, just learning about all the theory and psychology, because when people when people contact me, they're always they they're very like have I been in a cult? Have I not been in a cult? And and the 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 self esteem is so low that they think mm-hmm. they're they're the problem. There's something wrong with me, and you know, learning about all the psychology and how they were controlled helps pick up that shame that's been put on them and put it back on the group where it belongs. Because they, they were controlled through, in a lot of ways, through shame and guilt, mm-hmm. um, and when they come out, they still think they're the problem. So, just learning about what's going on in your mind, how the brainwashing, mind control, thought reform happened, what picking apart what the group did to you to make you feel bad about yourself, and then put it back yeah. where it belongs, you know. And that's that's a long process as well, but that's a big part of recovery, the learning, and then as well, just sometimes in that environment to survive, you have to repress a lot of your emotions. Mm. It's quite hard to access them again sometimes. And hey, just talking through that with, with a compassionate therapist can help you internalize their compassion rather mm-hmm. than internalize the, the crap from the cold. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and when you start internalizing their compassion and, and finding that self-compassion, that un- can unlock some of the, the pain. And and also as well, another thing that I do with my clients as well, because it's, it's quite difficult to access emotions, I ask them, what what movies are you watching and television shows or music you're listening to that is helping you cry? Mm-hmm. And, and what's going on in the themes of that movie that's helping you access your emotions and makes you feel safe to cry? And sometimes that can be helpful in helping someone just process some of the, the pain. But the first, the earlier steps are usually the ed- more educational stuff. The emotional stuff tends to be healed a bit yeah. later on. Yeah, you know, um, obviously there's loads of overlap. It's not that black and white because yeah. we're not cool. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's about family. finding the the grey areas, the mystery, the the space to just exist, and 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 things like that as well. And I mean, you you said talking to people about what 
what happened and what you know and, and what you've been through and so like that it can be difficult for people to find somebody that they can talk to about stuff because some of it sounds so crazy doesn't it like yeah you know, yeah um i i know in the book he, he he doesn't know if he used to have superpowers or not and you know and and that i think is is part of it i spend a lot of time around very like ordinary people and I can't tell them like a lot of what's going. You know, I'm, I have a, a thought reaction to something they've said or done, and I can't put it into the yeah. conversation because I'm like, this would sound like completely bonkers, nuts, and then they're going to think I'm like a weirdo. So I'll yeah. just like internalize it, and then I like panic over not having said something, and then I'll just go into a little spiral, which is similar to what you know yeah. goes through a lot in in this book, really. But um, so I mean, I, I think part you know one of the things that i'd love this book to do and for us to do is to try and try and you know create some space where people can be safe to talk to each other but people can be again worried about doing that because you're worried about joining like, another control environment and things like that so it's difficult isn't it oh yeah yeah you, you said something there as well that's quite important as well that analyzing what you're thinking mm -hmm. i should have been thinking this should i not should have say this they should have said and you know, and again, from that cult environment to survive the environment, you have to analyze everything you're saying to keep yourself psychologically safe. Mm -hmm. So you come out, and you, your mind isn't working in overdrive for every human interaction. You know, did they make an idiot or so? Are they going to be an angry at me? Are they not angry at me? Because that's how a person survives in a cult: monitoring what they're doing all the time. Because there's going to be a cost if they say I'll do the wrong thing. Yeah. Um. And um, but but yeah, that that thing about. The other thing to want to mention and what you've just said there is, you know, it can sound like like mental illness because mm -hmm. of the the supernatural out the um, mm. portion of the experience um, when it's actually just the part of the control mechanism. And I think that makes it hard for people to 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 come sometimes say like this is where my mind was because I was being told that's the way things yeah. were. I manipulated, um, you know, and and. I know for me as well, a part of the reason why I've I more recently started speaking out about the exorcism experience I had was because, you know, it's outrageous and it's nuts. And I had some beliefs that are off the wall, mm. like demons are walking around in my flat and everything, like you're visiting me at night and all sorts of stuff, which which wasn't true, but yeah. that's where my mind went. Yeah. But I, I think yeah. like it is quite important to just say this this just goes on. This is what they do do to you. And I'm not wasn't mad. I was, no, exactly. It's yeah. just part of the manipulation yeah. and control, and I think speaking out just helps other people feel like, well, maybe I can, maybe I can say say some of this stuff, and you know, um, feel more confident uh, in doing yeah. that. But again, Definitely. it comes. Yeah, it, it, helps, me, it, it helps me when I hear when I hear you tell your stories because it reminds me that my stories are also not, you know, are not that out there, you know, and and yours aren't, and and that yeah. there's that that that's that link again where we can support each other, and that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, and and just you know, not normalizing it. It's not, mm. and this is the problem, isn't it, with the word cult and things like that? Is people think they're wacky, extreme religious groups when actually they're just all over the place. And what it is it's coercive control? Mm. And you put it in that frame, and it's like, well, actually, it's a form of the best. It's like domestic abuse, isn't it? Yeah, and that then becomes very tangible. Then not this wacky out there thing. It's manipulation and control, and there's all this psychological theory that says how it works. Mm. Um bringing things back to something more solid and tangible rather than supernatural. And you, you can't measure anything against anything because it's all like spiritual and forces and darkness. And yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's if you use this language and you block the person from connections with other people, they will then start experiencing this. It's very logical and, you know, 
Um, that's really and that, that's good for recovery as well. Just pinning it down to something real, you know. So yeah, yeah, that that is that's really helpful. I think. I mean, actually, I think we've we've covered a lot of the stuff that at this point in the story I wanted to to talk about because I, I could talk about some more, but that's a bit spoilery because it's it, on. You know, the whole story is a journey of recovery. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe if he makes it. So you know, so um, yeah. But I really appreciate that that link to real life that you know that you give it by yeah. by bringing some theory to it and explaining you know some things that that really help it out really. So. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really just um, I suppose to recover, you you just recognizing that something was done to you. It's not your mm-hmm. fault. Mm-hmm. This everyone's mind is susceptible to manipulation and control, and and there's been there's been a lot of research into this because this is how advertising works, mm-hmm. but just less extreme. So we so it does work. We know it works. Yeah, these, yeah. These, these certain behaviors. So learning about it and go, oh, actually, I can see this now. Processing the pain it's been through. And growing from it and and moving forward, you know. So yeah, that that makes how you say it's about you know similar to advertising. Like it's it's just in all areas, you know. It's just this kind of thing is used in all areas of life, but you can end up in like a whirlpool where it's all comes together in a more extreme way, and that's when yeah, it's much more dangerous. It's, it's very concentrated, extreme manipulation and persuasion. Yeah, you know, yeah. to to an extreme extent, you know, it's all in a continuum, isn't it? Like persuasion on the milder end. It's education where that where you're you're allowed to question it and have doubts, and then mm. a bit further up that spectrum, it's advertising where you yeah. know what they're doing, but it's still manipulative. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And it gets all the way to the other end where it's just dangerous and toxic and and causes a lot of damage. Uh, and where can people find you to 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 learn more of the things that you've been? Because I know you you do some YouTube videos talking about all this stuff. Yeah, I have a few a few different places. Uh, on my website, in the about section at the bottom, there's a list of media appearances, so people can look through there. So, just done a, co- a few shows on. I've done one on BBC World Service, one for BBC Radio Five Live, a few bits and bobs of articles and things like that, and a few YouTube interviews and things. So, there's I'm dotted around everywhere. Cool. <laughs> okay, yeah, and I'll I'll include some. I'll put some links on the main blog page where people yeah, no find, uh, can find you. So, I, I, this should be on Christmas. So, we'll wish everyone a happy Christmas. I hope you found that as interesting and helpful as I have. I always find that I really enjoy having these kind of conversations because it makes me feel less alone and less isolated in the things that I've experienced or seen or gone through. I hope that you have a really happy Christmas and get a chance to relax in whatever ways that you can. And we will see you tomorrow on Boxing Day as Harry heads to Manchester to speak to Lizzie.